0: Today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co author, co futurist, and co host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen.
1: Hey, Phil. How
0: are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm
1: doing great. I'm doing great. Well, it's sort of an unusual show where, you know, you you uh, open the show up like that and then we have to turn it around so that I can interview you, Phil, but that's kind of what we're going to have to do tonight, right? So
0: yeah, Tonight, I've got to let you bring out the guest and let me just say how excited <laughs> I am about the guest that we have on tonight. This, this is,
1: <laughs> that's is, right.
0: This is, this is an exciting show for me in so many ways. <laughs>
1: uh, well, you know, we've we've talked uh, at length uh, about our book that uh, is a collection of essays of various futures and every, everything. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about a specific book that you've done yourself, Phil. Uh, you uh, you have written uh, it's Engines of Disruption: How Data Is Changing Everything. And um, tell us a little bit of, uh, what what it was the impetus. Well, what, what uh, caused you to uh, decide to write this book?
0: Well, actually, I had uh, several reasons for wanting to get this out. One is, as you know, we've just published our book, Visions for a World Transformed, and it's available now in paperback as well as still available for free download if you're listening live. But if you catch this on the playback, it's probably gone back to a full 99 cents, by the way, that you're required to pay for that. Um, but it will be available for, for free for five days again next month. I digress. Uh, we published the book, and one of the things that I wanted to do with the book was let's follow up with all the authors and either have them expound on ideas that they had in the book or talk about what they've been doing lately. You know what uh, what's their what's their latest world-transforming idea? And this becomes, I guess, our first in this series. And Stephen, will we'll get you on pretty soon too and talk about what you've been up to. But I, I really wanted to have something to show for what I've been doing since we put the. Uh, Visions for a World Transformed Together. And this is a topic that I've been working on for some time. So I thought putting a short book together would be a great way to kind of get the ball rolling on this particular uh, set of ideas. Uh, Engines of disruption is about data, the incredible impact that data has on our lives today and the even mm-hmm. more incredible impact that it's going to have our lives in the near future. This is something I've written about extensively. Obviously, it's something we talk about on the show every every episode, I'm thinking, just about every time we do a show, this, this sort of comes into it a little bit. And I had done a few blogs, a few short pieces that touched on various aspects of this, and I thought, well, I'll just tie these together. The world is turning into data, possibly, or we're turning into data, or we're turning the world into data. Something along those lines is happening right now. And I just wanted to explore that a little bit. And Kindle Publishing, Kindle Direct publishing is just a, a great opportunity to put content into a new form. It's like it's really a book, even though it's only about uh, 25 pages long. You know, Kindle introduced this whole di- idea of the Kindle single, uh, these uh, kind of short, very short books produced by usually by fairly well-known authors, and I think that's inspired a lot of people to just take, you know, try their hand at putting something into book form, and that's what this is. It may grow into
1: a much bigger book. Or it may just uh,
0: continue on as, as the piece that it is.
1: But those are well, it's a it's a one sitting kind of read, and um, it's I, I found it I found it fascinating. So um, you start you start the book with a quote here. Ninety nine percent of who you are is invisible and untouchable and that was R. Buckminster Fuller uh, who said that originally. One of our heroes, obviously. He, 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 the, the guy that uh, kind of invented the idea of ephemeralization and so many other ideas associated with that. But, um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to start. Um, um, so uh, you say uh, initially in the book, Phil, uh, you know, data needs more hype. Um, how is that even possible that it could <laughs> that, that it, it could re, uh, require more hype than uh, big data already has? Yeah,
0: well, I, I wanted I wanted to I wanted to kind of kick it off on a as controversial a note as I could, and <laughs> for those for those who don't actually work in the analytics or data warehousing or database business, you just have no idea, or I hope you have no idea. I hope you haven't been exposed to the ridiculous amount of hype. That surrounds the whole idea of big data. It has, you know, it is like the buzzword to end all buzzwords. And I'm, you know, I'm a marketing guy. I'm big with, I'm, I'm, I'm big with buzzwords. I talk about real time, and I talk about Internet of Things. And there's actually a whole chapter in this short book dedicated to the Internet of Cars. So, uh, so I love, I love buzzwords, and big data is the is the buzzword to end all buzzwords because it's all you hear, or at le- at least it was all you heard at. Uh, conferences and industry get-togethers and, and publications related to related to data um, over the last few years, it has been the topic. It's what it's what everybody talks about. So I so I introduced this kind of sheepish notion that what we need is more hype around big data. Wouldn't that help if uh, if, if if we just if we just <laughs> had the more hype? But but actually, what my my uh, my point is not so much that we need more marketing around it, but that it's time for people to really seriously consider what it is that there needs to be more information out there. And I think that like our futurist topics generally, which we have seen become more and more mainstream over the last few years, the idea of big data needs to become a much more mainstream idea too because it it so impacts our lives. It it makes up such a big part of our lives and truly is making up such a big part of our world these days that it's something that people, I think, necessarily – have to, get a, have to get a handle on it. It's not the kind of thing, if you don't deal with it every day, you don't, you don't think about it that much, but data is really driving almost every, every aspect of your lives. I, in the book, I, I pull out several different examples. One thing I talk about in this opening section is this airplane engine that we've talked about a few times before. It's a really interesting GE piece from a while back that they had built an airplane engine that was smaller, more compact, more efficient in every way except one. And the one way that it had grown was its producing all this data. And, and fact, don't forget
1: quieter. And don't forget quieter. So it, absolutely it
0: quieter super- and greener. Yeah, greener, cleaner. Yeah. Any any way you want to look at it, this is a uh, this is a highly modified, improved jet engine. It's only bigger in one way, and that one way is that its uh, its data footprint is expanding. It's there's more data going in and there's more data coming out. And, of course, we talk about this happening across the board, how our smart, smartphones have replaced so many devices, uh, how things like the music industry and the movie industry have become completely digitized, have become completely data-driven, how our communications with each other and so much of our social lives and just so much of the reality we live in now is data. It's, it's driven by you know applications running on servers sitting someplace, and we're, we're really just processing data when... I, I, what you and I are doing right now for example right and everyone who's listening to this right we're all we're, we're all dealing with data we're all contending with data right now and I think it's important that people grasp that that uh, that people they, they need to see the forest for the trees and the forest is a is a big data forest that that we're living in so I, I think that the big conversation about big data is one that's just now beginning as people really become more aware of and more interested in in what it means for us.
1: Well, what I, what I gathered from from your book, uh, Phil, is that uh, it's not just the amount of data that makes it, it turns from just data into big data. It's not just the amount, but also the fact that our machines are getting better at mining that data for us uh, to, to, you know, extract knowledge from the data that it can act on. Because uh, I mean we could literally drown in just in ones and zeros, right, but it, it our machines they are able to reach in grab meaning and and do something important with it. The ability of 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 machines to do that has grown exponentially over over the last few years hasn't it
0: yeah it's it's really interesting when you look at the uh, the hardware hockey stick right the moore's law driven Exponential growth of computer processing power, and if you look at the amount of data that we touch, right the amount of data that exists hockey stick those they 're they're both on these vertical slopes right it 's incredible it 's incredible how powerful computers have become it 's incredible how much data we 're dealing with and of course, the two things have an awful lot to do with each other right The, the fact that uh, the computers have become more powerful is one of the reasons that people like ourselves are such sophisticated purveyors of data and why we all create so much data. I mean, the, the, the two things are pretty much inextricably linked up with, with each other. But, yeah, when you go back to, you know, what it is that makes data big data, I, at some point, kind of facetiously but not entirely say, that, you know, well, what, what's the difference between data and big data? Um, big data is when you get, you know, it's more data than you it. right? I mean, that's ultimately what they meant when, when they started using the term. It's like we've got data of a volume – that we had not anticipated, or uh, the other two things that go with that is it, it's coming in all these structures that our systems weren't used to dealing with, or it's coming at a speed that we weren't used to dealing with. Gartner talks about the the three V's of big data: volume, variety, and velocity, and it has to do with data structure, the speed of the data, and and just that you know how much sheer data we're dealing with. So there there is this kind of you know death race between basic, you know, core hardware capability, software capability, and just the amount and structure and variety of data that that exists. And, and actually, one of the things that, uh, that that we get into here is, you know, where is the value actually being realized? And it's maybe not where you would think it was. I quote in here a, a talk that Eliezer Yutkowski gave back at the Singularity Summit a decade ago now at this point, I think, maybe longer ago than that, talking about whether software is Developing more quickly, or hardware is developing more quickly, and he comes down firmly on the side, as you'll read, of software. That in fact, software is is able to process data much more rapidly than than it could in the past. So we're we're getting a better bang for our buck out of the hardware as it grows.
1: Um, And the fact that uh, there was an example of uh, you, you know which would work faster to solve this you know difficult math problem. A, uh, a, you know, a computer from today using, you know, a software from 25, 30 years ago or a computer from 25, 30 years ago using today's software if it could run it, right? Exactly. And, uh, um, and it wasn't necessarily a software. He was, you know, he was, um, it, you know, just the techniques that are used today, basically. Yeah, the algorithm. With,
0: yeah, the algorithms, the algorithms Yeah, that, that yeah. they've come up with. So... So what they figured out was, if you ran the uh, if you ran the 1977 algorithm on the state of the art hardware that we have today, this particular problem would take 10 years to solve. If you ran the 2007 algorithm on an Apple II, okay, uh, it would take three years. Okay, so it's it's going to take still a long time, time to but live. uh,
1: but m- m- faster, you know? but three uh, times
0: yeah. as fast on that ancient slow, you know, unimaginably primitive. Hardware of an Apple II compared to the uh, com- compared to the supercomputer, and yeah, that's the that's the difference. We're getting that, we're getting a big bang for our buck in terms of algorithms, and we touched on this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about artificial intelligence and and the whole notion of you, you know we really are in this interesting era when things are starting. Yeah, you know, we, we talked just earlier this week about how the space age has really begun, and we had that quote from Monica yeah. Anderson in that panel discussion talking about well the the era of, of artificial intelligence has truly begun as of about 2012 when, when Google really started seriously delving into deep learning. And in that case, the algorithms, as they say, were not that complicated. It was just how they were applied. So it's, it's uh, you know better hardware, better software, and a better understanding of how to apply it combined with just huge volumes of data that have so much wealth within them in terms of in, in terms of understanding insights capability etc um w- when you look at all of that hitting at once
1: yeah it's, it's well it's it's, it's so a little overwhelming big big data is a one-two punch and that and the you know the the first punch being the amount of it and the second punch being how uh, how it is how it is used and to use, you know to impact so many areas of our life you know i mean when we were Young kids, uh, uh, you know, a person in business, their data might be limited to, okay, here's the revenue and uh, uh, here's our cost of doing business, and let's just, you know subtract one from the other. There's our profit. And let's call it a day, right? Uh, That's right. And, but the data is in everything now. I mean, there's 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 more there's more data in my kids' toys uh, than that, and. Uh, it's-
0: it's well. It's absolutely true. I mean, your 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 kids' toys have more processing power in them, right? <laughs> and are and are carrying more data around than yeah, probably you know all the computers in the world held in 1969 or something outrageous like that. I I, I don't know that right. for a fact, but but it's
1: something like that. It you know there's it's <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's it's that it's, the, it, it, it's something that you know that magnitude. That's what we're talking about. So yeah, you know. it's
0: it's it's ridiculous. It's it's outrageous. Well, I mean. At one point, um, we talk about just the, the number of servers that exist. When you do look at the business world, I, uh, excuse me, Microsoft has a million servers, okay. Um, according to Steve Ballmer, um, it is estimated that Google has 2.6 to 6 million. There's different estimates, but millions and millions of servers that Google has, and the NSA probably has even more than that, okay. No, these millions and millions, millions upon millions of computers. You know that one company, IBM, has a million computers. Um, in I think it was 1974, there were 50,000 computers sold worldwide. Okay. Yeah. So one one business today has 20 times more computers. Just number, and that's not even counting how much bigger and more powerful these machines are than the ones that we're running. It, right? Just, just the number of computers they're running. Twenty, you know, twenty times more than than existed in the whole world, uh, right? A, a few a few decades ago. That's the you know that, that that's kind of the level of uh, of shift we're talking about. And and when you look at when you look at businesses, um, what you said is exactly right. Uh, business systems started out as very Excel spreadsheet like things. Laying down a transaction, you know, this much money was paid, this product was given, it happened on this date, this was the customer's name, this is their address, you know, that kind of stuff. And the original databases processed that kind of stuff really well, and um, as businesses got a little more sophisticated and the technology got a little more deeply embedded... Suddenly, we we found that you know they needed to have a lot more rows in the spreadsheet, if you will. And suddenly, the columns in the spreadsheet became a lot more important. And over time, of course, you have had this shift to where businesses themselves are digital. So it's not just that it's not just that you know I'm living in the brick and mortar world. I'm selling widgets um, to customers and sending them out of a truck and then getting a report on that off my IT systems. You know, a lot of businesses. You know, they have a website selling the widgets, or the widget is an app that's on the iPhone. So it's data, too, right? The entire business is data. Um, right. You know, it's, it, you know, their, their, their presence to their customers is a website. The product they sell is a piece of software. Um, and then, at the you know, their customers are accessing it strictly through social media or through, you know, their website or those kinds of channels, um, and so it's this real transformation, uh, really along the same lines as what we were talking about for the movie business, or uh, it, it, it kind of what happened with that jet engine, right? That the jet engine is about halfway there. Now, will we reach a point where the jet engine is completely data, the way a business can be completely data? I don't think so,
1: right? I think you know, the, for it,
0: for it to a stay jet, jet, engine jet engine
1: has to touch the real world, or it's not a jet engine, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, you, yeah. You, otherwise it's a virtual jet engine, I think, but. Uh, but businesses can go all the way some things you know some things are, are going to become more and more datafied um, until they reach kind of a prime you know a peak data point and other things just just entirely become data and figuring out the difference between those two is one of the challenges actually that we have right now is is looking at the world around us and saying well what are the things that we're going to datafy to the max you know what are the things we're not ever going to datafy, if if that's even on the on the horizon. That there's some things that we're not going to, and then and then what are the things that we're actually going to turn into data? Those are those are kind of the three uh, the three big scenarios for everything in our world. And the answer is unclear on a lot of it. And, and of course, the world itself can become data if if we move from if we digitize ourselves right and move into another substrate or. If our primary subjective experience were to become some kind of living in a virtual world, at that point we have effectively chosen
1: a data world over the over the real one. Well, make sure I got a handle on uh, you know why it is that we got big data these days. So we got computers that are greater in number. Okay, instead of fifty thousand computers in the entire world when I was a little kid, uh, you know we we have computers everywhere. I mean, yep. in, in this room that I'm sitting in, it's not even what I would consider that my office. So I've got, I'm, I'm just counting uh, probably a half a dozen computers in this room, counting my cell phone, the computer I'm looking at, uh, uh, arcade cabinet over there, and uh, a couple of the, uh, other, uh, uh, you know, one, one, one of my kids' toys. That I, it's obviously, a, and, you know, I mean, so it, basically you're surrounded by They're everywhere every day. Yeah, it yeah. Just, it's, it's just... Uh, uh, it, it, they're just everywhere. So, so we're, we've increased in number. That we've increased them in power. Um, the uh, the software has increased in effectiveness. And uh, one thing we haven't mentioned those sensors. The sensor technology, and you know, sensors have gotten smaller and smaller, and are able to pick up more and more things, more and more cheaply. And uh, obviously, that is the uh, That's the the point at which the computer touches the world and gains the information to make data, right? So, uh, that's I think that's a big part of it as well. Um,
0: That's right. Well, that's and and that's one of the ways we datafy the world is we
1: we put a sensor on
0: everything. Uh, You know, one one way to datafy you can you can change something into data, Uh, ephemeralize it out of existence, and make it an app on an iPhone, or you can simply uh, put a sensor on it, uh, give it an IP address, and then it's part of the network right suddenly it's a data source and it's it, it, it's it's part of the overall machine architecture that that makes up this vastly growing network but it's interesting you mentioned sensors because the internet of things is one of the big contributors to the whole idea of big data and and we, we keep it in that that phrase again i'm a little skeptical about the about the phrase big data because i, I think um it Data is now big to the point that it's almost meaningless. Um, in spite of in spite of my uh, call to, to to further hype it, um, the the original notion was that data has become bigger than we can handle, and, and we start calling that data big data. But I think, in a sense, for the last few decades, ever since we started computing, it was always big data, right? I mean, it, it, when uh, when Teradata built their first data warehouse, that was a a big data solution, right? Because they were bringing together. All of this, uh, all of an enterprise's data together into into one source, or or when uh, you know the first computer came out with a hard disk drive on it, that that was in a sense big data because it was just, uh, so suddenly this ability to 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 process that much more. But um, it's always reason, relative.
1: <laughs> to what it, it, it's all
0: relative, absolutely. Yeah. But the Internet of Things, you really could see this sharp increase. The Internet of Things, all these sensors are suddenly just spewing out data right? It's like once upon a time, I mean, and it goes back to the idea, that idea of having a million servers. Most businesses don't have a million servers, but boy, they can end up with thousands of data points fairly easily, especially when they start putting sensors on everything. And you know, the point is a sensor can produce data the way a computer used to. So you've got all this machine generated data showing up that needs that's relevant, that probably has something important to tell you, that you could probably gain some insight or even potentially some competitive advantage if you understood it, but there's just so much of it, and it's, and it's coming so fast. Um, and it's one, of the, it's one of the reasons that uh, solutions like Hadoop had to be developed. Uh, the, the, the whole structure of a um, relational database management system just just proved inadequate to the task of just managing these massive, massive amounts of data that companies like Google were dealing with, and then suddenly everybody was dealing with. They needed the new architectural approach, and that's where that, that's where this you know so-called big data solutions came in. Really driven as much by machine data and sensors as mm-hmm. as by almost anything else. Although media had an awful lot to do with it too. We do, we do love running our Netflix on our computers, don't we?
1: <laughs> yes. We do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> I as well, and, and 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 all the other um, uh, video. I mean, video is, is a huge uh, uh, part of uh, the traffic on our on, on our networks now, and uh, so obviously they had to come up with ways to handle that kind of, uh, uh, you know, that kind of traffic and, and allow us and continue to do other things. Otherwise, it would just that's right. It's,
0: and so and yeah. so at that point, then you're not talking about just about the processing power. Or the storage capacity, but it's the pipeline, right, that has to be right. uh, wide enough to, to to carry all that data. It, 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 yeah, you, you see all of all of those factors coming into play at once. But somehow we manage to stay ahead of it because we're getting datafied like crazy. Uh, we, oh yeah,
1: it's, it's well. It's compression is part of this picture too, right? An, uh, another thing we haven't mentioned is compression, and uh, well, and we got, that's one of the enabling technologies. Yep, it's one absolutely. of
0: the reasons that we're yeah that we're able to able to do it. If you can if you can take a massive amount of data and make it even a somewhat smaller amount. <laughs> you've you've uh, you, you've moved, you've made a huge step in the right direction. Well, I mean, one of the things I, I've dealt with over the years in on on the enterprise side and the business side is companies will have so many copies of their data sitting in so many different locations, and and one of the things that these bigger, more unified architectures allow. Um, especially when you've got kind of an in-memory or a real-time model working for working for your data, is you can truly have one collection of data and do everything from that. So uh, that's, not, that's not exactly comp- compression. It's just vast simplification of the environment. Instead of having to make a whole copy of the database every time you want to do something, you just have everybody running off that, off that one database. And you can get the performance out of that you need, but you're dealing with a much smaller amount of data. I mean... It's not smaller because it's growing so fast. It's actually bigger than when you had all those pieces out there, but at least you're not taking this one huge thing and making multiple copies of that, put it that way. But yeah, compression technology is a, a, a big part of it as well. You, um, it, It's one of the reasons that um, even with the broader pipeline that we're using, we're still able to get all the data across because even as the algorithms for processing the data have gotten better, so have things like Uh, compression technologies, signaling technologies, messaging technologies, all of that's come along to to make this possible.
1: Let me uh, me read uh, one little passage from the, the book here. It's easy to imagine a near future where the biggest slowdown for IBM's Dr. Watson or some other artificial intelligence tasked with diagnosing sick humans will be waiting for the real doctor to sign off on the diagnosis. How long will we tolerate that? i think that's a fascinating question phil um you know when our machines are able to gather more information you know than the, than a doctor can take in and and then compare it uh more efficiently with uh vast uh you know amounts of data um uh, and, and come up with better diagnosis and then a better treatment plan than the than a human doctor could come up with you know we're talking about human lives here phil i mean what uh, at at what point do we say you know what we're not going to put up with uh, fallible human doctors anymore
0: yeah uh, i think we'll get- i think that that's that's the criterion that's the point that it has to be pushed to before people will will stop being kind of the final roadblock because for all the progress we've made, right, we've, over, we've overcome this, the processing and the storage and the pipeline and, and all the rest of it, um, you know, to give ourselves all this data and to, and to be able to do all these amazing things with it, uh, you know, what is the big roadblock? What is the big stumbling block to accomplishing the next great thing? with it? Well, it's usually us. Um, we, we, become, we become the roadblock, and uh, particularly when you talk about these areas where the digital world can step in and do a better job than a human being. Um, that's scary to us. And obviously, we've done show after show after show uh, on, that, on, on that subject. But, but this example, I think, really pushes it right to where it needs to be. Will we say, oh, there's always got to be a real doctor involved? You know, machines are all very well. There's always got to be a real doctor involved. If we know that more people are going to live if we just cut the human doctors out of the loop, right, or if we give them a diminished role. And you know, I I think it's an easy choice. Um, It's 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 exactly the discussion we've had about self-driving cars so many times, right? It's like, yeah, they're going to kill a lot of people, so let's get them going because they're going (laughs) to they're going to kill a lot fewer, right? Um, And and that's that's exactly that's exactly what Dr. Watson or some other AI-driven medical technology will do. And it's for that benefit. It's for the realization that yes, it will save lives. It will ease suffering. Um, you know, it will make our lives better in any of these myriad areas that that you that you might think of. That that will back off and say, you know what, we got to let the machines do this because
1: they can do it better than we can. That's right. Um, I, I've heard it broken down this way. Uh, you know, data is at at the base of this of a pyramid, and uh, it is less than information. Information includes data, but is something more. It's uh, it, it gives meaning. To the data, right. but above above information is knowledge, which is context, and then above that is wisdom, which is uh, is where you apply the uh, uh, apply the knowledge to you know to whatever. So, uh, so I, I you know I, I guess at some point, uh, you know we we're, we try to stay ahead of the machines by uh, you know staying in, at the top of the pyramid, perhaps uh, applying the wisdom or something. Uh, at, at some point, uh, you know, they, they closed the gap even there. But, uh, yeah,
0: we, 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 we may see the emergence of wise, truly wise machines, or we may just reach a point where we say the wise thing for us to do, our one bit of wisdom will be to say their knowledge is better than ours, so we have to let them take over in this area, um, or, or we have to give them more control um, or, or more access in this area, just because the results, the results are going to be better. And I'm not, you know, I don't mean to suggest that's an easy choice, and, and there's, there's, even hearing myself say it, there's a lot of scary associations with, with saying those kinds of things, but ultimately, I think that's, that's the direction that we have consistently gone, and so it seems likely that we'll continue to.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, um, and uh, the name of the book, again, is Engines of Disruption, How Data is Changing Everything. Thanks for visiting with us about it, Phil. Hey, well, it was
0: uh, great being on the show. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that. And if I could,
1: uh, uh, just we'll, we'll have to have you back on. <laughs> I, I'd
0: love I'd love to come back on. Call me call me anytime, Stephen. I would. Uh, it
1: would be uh,
0: I was just going to say I never said what the engines of disruption were, but it actually uh, you, you got to read to the end to find that out. We can't we can't spoil everything. But if I could uh, take back over as host, thanks for sitting in for me uh, earlier this evening,
1: Stephen, <laughs> and conducting the interview. Um, h- how about
0: we uh, How about we do some other geek? What do you got for us? Yeah.
1: It is Friday night and uh we uh that's what we typically do with our Friday show is uh we finish it with just uh talking about other geek things that uh fascinate us and uh wanted to tell you that uh, uh my son Timothy uh has uh, he has picked his project uh for uh, his engineering project for uh this uh this semester and uh I couldn't be more proud, Phil. He is uh What's he, the he project. Is leading, he, yeah, the project is this. He is uh, he and a, and, a, and a group of uh, that he is uh, a part of is going to attempt to create a self-replicating 3D printer, and they're going to yeah. they're going to go for, they're going to do their best to uh, to where it will print like 99 percent of it. You know, basically, it's an Arduino board circuit board that's dirt cheap. And that's it, you know. I mean, the rest of it is, uh, will be printable. And you uh, know, I, I said, "Man, you know, you're going to make me cry, man." I mean, I've, I've been talking about and fascinated with the concept ever since uh, the Rep Wrap. How long? How long ago was that? Till 2005, 2006. Yeah, that's, that's, that goes back Something a like few that. years. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know, he was he was not much more than a baby back then. Now he's in college, uh, working on uh, a project himself, and. He, he says I, I, he wants to differentiate it uh, from other uh, other attempts by making it dirt cheap, and uh, I said, "Hey, man, this is, you know, make it dirt cheap, and then let you know let it loose in the world and see what it does." So, well, um, let me let me just let me just say, Stephen, that that is not other geek. Okay, this is this is a
0: typical story on the show. It just happens to be your son. Okay, so when he gets it going let's yeah. bring him on uh, and talk to him about this this is amazing it's astounding oh yeah i um, yeah. uh, i i share your excitement uh you know and
1: and i can't imagine how proud you must be as a dad to have a kid doing <laughs> that. that's just awesome <laughs> yeah and uh he, he had to convince the uh the other you know the, the group that he was working with that this is what we need to do and so <laughs> he said hey, look guys we you know, uh, you know the other you know, the other. Uh, let's let's go for the moonshot here. Let's let's not you know uh, just uh, uh, do what everybody else is doing. Let's try this and uh, absolutely that's that's yeah. thinking right.
0: Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Um, let us know when uh, progress has been made on that. and When we can get a, when we get an update on that. Because that's all. Absolutely. We'll get him. Let's hey, speak, get him on the show. Yeah, we definitely have to. Speaking of updates. Have you been ste- stepping on your uh, vibrating machine? Have you noticed any, uh, you know, <laughs> lost forty yeah. pounds or anything? I mean, what,
1: what's what's the No, I for? hadn't lost any weight. But uh, you know, what? I, I I find that uh, getting on uh, getting on this vibrating machine. Uh, maybe we need to kind of, for benefit of, uh, of our audience that didn't hear it before, there there's a story that came out that said that just you know standing on a vibrating uh, machine platform, uh, yeah. We're not talking about like the uh, magic
0: fingers in the sleazy hotel rooms. This is an actual. Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: We're talking like a. It, it's a. It. And, and I. i purchased one years ago because uh, a chiropractor and and you know, had recommended it. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, he said you just stand on this and it And it does. And I, how in the world does this help? It just it just does. He he basically explained it this way. He says the body is made to move, and this moves the body when you know in, in, in such a way that it doesn't. It doesn't generally hurt, and right. uh, when when you are hurt and you still need to move, this helps. And uh, so you know, got one and uh, put it. And in, in, you know, I hadn't used it all that often. Uh, just you know, um, and and then we read this article saying, "Hey, it, it's a good, uh, you know, it's a good way to get some exercise." You know, again, why does that work? Well, the body responds when when uh, there's even a micro motion that's uh, your your uh, your body will then uh, there's like a, uh, a response to that to make sure you don't don't you know lose balance or whatever and um, and so that's apparently that's how that works and so no I haven't lost a lot of weight but I uh, tell you what it's uh, you know makes makes you feel better though. it really does it's a, I, I do recommend it and these uh, these vibration machines uh, feel are not not expensive anymore so I would yeah
0: as we were saying when we talked about it last week uh, you can get them on Amazon for a couple hundred bucks um yeah. and uh people seem very satisfied with him so well uh, keep us posted we want to we want to hear how that's progressing but i think i'm going to get one i'm going to give it a try too
1: cuz it yeah, yeah. uh, it's yeah yeah i think uh you and you and your wife will uh, will uh, I think y'all y'all will like it both uh, both of you. <laughs> Seems like the kids are always getting on them too. Uh, so they, I don't know they just. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure they I, 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 I get a kid a kid gets on it and, you know turns it on and then they start talking like Darth Vader. Uh, well, yeah, of course. That, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you if
0: they, they didn't. That would be the with. only thing in the house they didn't get on, so that would be very strange. They? <laughs> yeah,
1: you know that they will get into it. So. <laughs> yeah, <Later>. for sure. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, hey, Stephen. Right. Great, uh, great talking with you this evening. Uh, what a fun show! I guess we ran a little long, but uh, you know, with a guest like hey, that, was, what
1: are you going to? do? exactly. Uh, you know, got
0: to yeah. give the man time to talk.
1: I, I tried to rein in the guest, but you know, he just yeah. Uh, but oh, some of these
0: guys are just out of control. These nerds, you know, they, they can't take a hint.
1: All right. Well, uh, listen, right. Um, we're we're
0: going to be back next week with three brand new shows, and of course, two more dips into the archives with best of the world transform it's great having you with us this week we look forward to being with you all again and until next time
1: live to see it